If you have your Bibles this morning, we'd like to draw your attention to uh, the Gospel of Luke, where we have been studying. Luke chapter number 18 is where we are this morning. And as we've been studying through this uh, series here, we have seen that Jesus has been going through His earthly ministry, and He is now towards the end of His earthly ministry. He's making His way to Jerusalem, and He is heading uh, there. And as He is going in these last couple chapters, we have noticed that He has been teaching His disciples and teaching us uh, as well on how to continue His ministry when He is gone. So when Jesus uh, died and rose again, uh, he left uh, us to be as his disciples, to continue on in his ministry. And so he is training and teaching his disciples then and also applying it to us today on how we are to minister for him and continue the ministry when he is gone. And today Jesus brings us to a very practical, a very powerful a portion of Scripture, one that is very foundational for us today. So it's a very foundational teaching that we need to understand. And I promise you, as well as I implore you today to understand that we cannot live the life that we live without us understanding this principle today. It is very powerful. So Jesus is bringing us here and talking to us today. We're going to look at the subject of prayer. Before we get into this so we can get our mind around what God has for us today, let me ask you a question. Have you ever needed something done and the person that you asked to do the work seemingly wasn't getting it done fast enough? Have you ever had that? Have you ever had a job that needed to be done? You asked someone to do it. You took your car in to get worked on. You had some carpentry work, whatever it might be. You had some work that needed to be done, and the person you gave it to said, we'll get it done, and maybe even a certain amount of time, and they're not getting it done fast enough. When I was studying this, a thing about uh, a movie came to my mind. Maybe I'm going to date myself here, but this was a movie that came out in the mid-'80s. That's 1980s, teenagers, not, not 18, 1980s, okay? All right, we weren't here then, I know, that's okay. So in the mid-80s, the movie, the name of the movie was called Money Pit. Maybe you've seen it, I, I don't know, but it was, I thought it was a fun uh, movie. And the idea of the entire movie was this couple, it was, it was Tom Hanks and Shelley Long who were in it, this couple, they bought this gorgeous mansion, they went and looked at it, beautiful mansion, beautiful house, and then the lady that owned the house moved out, moved all her stuff out of it, and by the, when they came into the house, they realized it was a dump. And it was falling down around them. And the reason why I bring this movie up to answer this question is one of the running jokes throughout the entire movie that I thought was hilarious was that whenever he asked the contractor, the, the people that came out to, build, to work on the house, every time they asked the question, how long will this take, it was always two weeks. Two weeks. How long will this take? Two weeks. So two weeks will come by, two weeks will be over, and he'd ask the question, well, I thought it was going to be done in two weeks. How long is it going to be? Two weeks. Two weeks. Have you ever felt that way, that you, you uh, wanted something to get done, and every time that you tried to find out whether it was going to be done or not, that you felt like it, it just wasn't happening? Or even worse, I've done this. Have you done this? Uh, especially in the area of auto mechanics. I don't know anything about a car, but where the gas goes, the key is and the brake and the, the gas are. I don't know anything about it. So the, the, when I take my cars in to get, get them fixed, I often drive by the, the car garage there a couple times to see where things are at and you ever drive by and again you go the car's still sitting in the same place 
Did they even look at it? Well, I don't know what they did, but that's what you start thinking, right? You start thinking, man, nothing's happening, nothing's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. Someone said they would get it done, and you finally come to the conclusion nothing is going to happen at all. Have you ever been there? Have you ever felt frustrated like that? Have you ever felt like, man, I'm waiting for something to get done, and it's just never, ever going to happen? Very frustrating. But let me ask you this. Let's get serious now for a second. Have you ever felt that way about God? Have you ever felt that God's not stepping up like he said he would? Have you ever prayed about something, had something pressing in your life, something that was uh, very difficult in your life, and you bring it to God, not just once, not just twice, but several times, and eventually you come to the conclusion that either God can't hear you, he chose not to hear you, he's too busy, or even worse, he doesn't care. Have you ever been there? You say, no, pastor, I'm the spiritual one. I'm in church today. I don't ever think that way. We all have. We've all been there. We've all struggled with this. We've all asked. And as a result of it, sometimes we get to the point where we think, I'm just going to stop asking. I'm just not going to ask anymore. I'm just not going to bring it to God. No matter how spiritual you are, you've dealt with this in your life. And listen, I want you to understand in the beginning, God knows this about us. God understands this. God knows this. And this is exactly what Jesus is dealing with here. And so this is a very important teaching that Jesus gives us, a very important parable that we need to understand. This is uh, not a parable that necessarily teaches us what we are to do, but this is a parable that shows us what God is doing. So this Statement I'm going to give you right now, you need to get in order for you to understand any of this. And if you'll put up the next slide for us, Tanya, this is not a parable of parallels. This is a parable of contrasts. This is not a parable of parallels. This is a parable of contrasts. There. If you'll hit the next space there to bring up that next line for me, please. There you go. Now, if you are not taking notes today, write this down. If you are taking notes, make sure you get it. You've got to understand this because, listen, there have been so many misteachings of this parable because of not understanding that this is a parable, not of parallels, but a parable of contrasts. So Luke sets up this parable for us uh, that Jesus is going to teach us. And, and don't you like this? I, I like this. Luke gives us the answer before we ever get the story. Do you like that? It's a test I can pass. I know. He gives the answer to the question. Uh, the parable because we need to understand this so look at our text in Luke chapter 18 verse 1 it says and he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart so we're talking about prayer today and Luke gives us the conclusion now without this information you will not understand this parable. Without this information, you will come to the wrong conclusion. But unfortunately, even those that have understood this and got this conclusion sometimes come to the wrong conclusion in this parable. So let's jump in. Let's look at this parable. Let's see what Jesus is saying. So Jesus says to uh, the, those, he's talking to his disciples, he's teaching to his disciples, he says, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. So we have two characters that Jesus gives us in this parable. They are the wicked judge 
And now he tells us something very important about this judge. This judge was not a godly man. He didn't care about God, didn't fear God, didn't worry about what God had, nor did he respect men, or nor did he like people. Kind of a great job to be in as a judge. You don't like people. He doesn't care about them, doesn't like what's going on. Everything to him was a nuisance. Everything to him was a frustration. Uh, everything was like, oh, i got to hear this argument, this complaint again, whatever it is. He probably needed to find a different career, wouldn't you think? All right, but this is the story that Jesus sets up here, and he says this, this is a man who doesn't respect God, and he doesn't care for people whatsoever. And there was a widow, and this widow woman was wrong. We don't know what happened to her or why she was wrong, but she was wrong. She was upset about it. Someone did something wrong to her. Now, in this scenario, this isn't that big of a deal. We would think to ourselves, well, uh, she comes before the judge, and the judge will take care of this, and how we have our system. You have to understand that in their day and age, the system was way different than what we experience today. First of all, you have to understand that judges came and they set up camp, literally, right inside the city gate. Meaning this, that there wasn't a judge for that city, there wasn't a judge for that village, that, that judge moved from village to village to village, really didn't have anywhere to live, lived in this kind of tent, and was this judge that heard all the complaints, all the problems of that village when he came to the village. And so he sets up camp, sets up to be this judge. The other thing you need to understand is that this society was a patriarchal society, meaning this, women were not allowed to address the judge. You had to have a male representative. Do you see a problem? So as a widow, she did not have anyone to represent her because her husband was dead. Then on top of that, these judges, much like tax collectors of that day, were very crooked. And really, in order for you to have your, your um, uh, case heard before the judge, you had to bribe the judge. So in order for you to get your case in, you had to bribe them in order for you to, to be heard. Well, this woman is a widow. And in this day and age, widows couldn't, women didn't work. They couldn't work. She wasn't, had any money, no income, so she couldn't even bribe the judge. So with all of that set, the scene set, everybody understood that. We have this wicked judge, and we have this widow that we're not going to take no for an answer, no matter what the cultural stance was. Okay, so are you, are you with me? So... Uh, she wanted justice. She was not going to rest until she got her justice. Therefore, she made herself the most annoying nuisance to this judge that she could be. How many mothers in here have listened to your children say mom over a thousand times before you, you go crazy, right? Your mom, 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 mom. And you're trying to move on and go on. It's good. The kid's going to stop at some point. No, the kid doesn't stop. Finally, you go, what? Right? That's what this judge was all the time. This is how he was. And so she refused to stop annoying the judge. And finally he says this in verse number 4. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God, so I'm not doing this because it's the right thing to do, nor I respect man, I can't stand man, I'm not doing this because I'm being a good person. But because... This widow keeps bothering me because she won't shut up, because she won't leave me alone. Everywhere I turn, this woman is outside the tent going, you need to hear my case. You need to hear my, every time you turn around, she's disrupting everything. Because she will not leave me alone, I'm going to give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. Finally, the wicked judge gave in. Not because it was good, because God said so, not because he cared about the woman, because quite honestly, he was so sick of her, he thought to himself, this will finally shut her up. That's exactly what he was thinking. He was so annoyed, so upset. 
Maybe now she will leave me alone. And it says that she got justice, which was, which was wonderful for her, but he only gave her justice because he wanted to get rid of her. And he resolved her issue. Now, with that said, unfortunately, this is where most people stop in the story. This is where most people go through and Jesus is done with the story here and he gives the story and they go no further, they dig no deeper, they simply apply this to prayer and believe that this is how their prayer life is to be. If you want to get something from God, then you need to bug him. If you want God to work on your behalf, then you need to be annoying. Remember, because most parables, when Jesus gives us, and this is what they think, the judge must represent God, and the widow must represent us. That must be what Jesus is saying. And so, if we feel like God is not answering our prayers, then we just need to keep asking, or even better than that, we need to demand from God that, God, you do what I say that you're supposed to do, and if you don't do what I tell you you need to do to answer my prayer, I'm just going to keep on annoying you and annoying you and annoying you until you do. Eventually, if we keep asking and keep asking and keep asking and keep demanding and keep demanding, well, we're going to wear God down. And he's going to become overwhelmed. And he's going to say, fine, just leave me alone. In other words... Sometimes God just doesn't want to be bothered by us. In order to get an answer to our prayer, you must wear him down. And finally, out of pure exhaustion, God finally gives in. And I want you to know many people believe that. Maybe you believe that today. Maybe you've heard that. Maybe you've had somebody say you haven't prayed enough. Or how about this? You don't have enough faith. Have you heard that? And God is waiting for you to have enough faith and waiting for you to annoy Him enough to where He's finally irritated and finally said, I've had enough. I'm going to give in. Let me ask you this question. Think about this for a second. Really think about it. Does that conclusion align with what you know the character of God to be? But I'm telling you, there are many people out there that, that preach that, that teach that, that say you, it's because you don't have enough faith, because you haven't asked God enough times, because you haven't demanded what He's supposed to do, all of that stuff. Well, obviously, and very importantly, you need to understand, this is not according to God's character. This is not at all what Jesus is portraying. Why? Because we need to go on. We need to hear the rest of what Jesus is saying. And look what He says here in verse number 6. The Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. He goes on and says, I will not give, I will not, excuse me, and will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Let me read that again. Hear what the unrighteous judge says, and will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Now, when I read that and when you hear that, nine times out of ten we hear statements, right? We don't hear questions. There's question marks at the end of this. What he's saying is, will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Isn't God a God of love and care? Isn't he his elect, his children, those who he loves, isn't he going to take care of them? Will he delay long over them? Really? You think Jesus is just like this judge? You think that's what he's going to do? Remember what I told you at the beginning of this. 
This is not a parable of parallels. It's a parable of contrast. What Jesus is saying is this. God is not, or can I put it this way? God is absolutely nothing like this judge. As a matter of fact, God is the complete opposite of this judge. That's the point he's making. This judge is wicked, completely wicked, doesn't love God, doesn't love people, doesn't care about anyone. God is absolutely 100% the opposite. And listen, we are not the widow. We are not this woman who, who has no one representing her, this woman who's not there who has to pastor. We are the very children of God. We're not left out to fend for ourselves. We have a heavenly father that fends for us. That's his point. Jesus is making this point that as the children of God, and since we are the children of God and He is our loving Father, He responds to us with a perfect father-child relationship. A perfect father-child relationship. Meaning this, and I want you to write this down or I want you to see this here on the screen. Next slide. God hears and answers every prayer of His children immediately. God hears and answers. Let that sink in. Every prayer of His children immediately. Now, with that said, you're going, I can already feel the pushback. I can already feel the thought, wait a minute. I don't know that actually true because why i have prayers that i've prayed for days for weeks for months maybe even years and i don't know that god has ever answered those prayers i don't know that god's actually working in those things i pray for certain things and it just seems like nothing is happening can i tell you a truth here that you need to understand just because you don't see the answer doesn't mean god isn't working on the answer do you understand that Perspective is everything. Perspective is everything. Because I want you to understand something very, very clearly. Um, The great theologian Garth Brooks (laughs) said that there's times that God doesn't answer prayer. But I want to assure you as his child, God always answers prayer. God doesn't always answer prayer the way you want him to answer prayer. But God answers your prayer in three ways, and you know this. He says yes. Woohoo! That's our favorite. He says no, because that's not my will, and my will is better for you. Listen to me very carefully. Hear me this morning. If God says no to you, it's not because God doesn't want to give you or doesn't want to answer your, your request. God wants to answer your request better than what you ever thought you were asking. Do you hear me? His his plan is the best for us and the circumstances of all things. We may not see it uh, for us. It may not pan out for us in in the way that we see. But in God's sight, in God's vision of all things, it is the best case scenario of all things. We can't understand everything, but He does. And then he answers the one that we hate the most and struggle with the most. He tells us to wait. But listen to me very carefully when he says wait. Because I want you to understand this. He says wait, but know that in your waiting, that as you continually pray, I am working every time you pray. 
Meaning this, God in his providence continually works on our behalf and is continually progressing and moving things forward even when he tells us to wait and we don't see what's happening. Do you understand that? God doesn't hear our prayer and go, I can't hear that, I'm not listening to it, I told you to wait, I don't want to hear it again. Don't sit, no, he says, come to me and tell me and I'm always, always working. In other words, let me put it this way, this will be on the screen for you, I want you to have this as well. Listen very carefully. Every word that you have prayed, every request that you have given to God has been heard by God and has been acted upon by God. No prayer is ever prayed in vain. Do you hear me? We may be waiting in a waiting period, but God isn't just sitting there twiddling his thumbs till you're ready. God is working on your behalf during that time. It may not be the speed that you want it to be, but it's the perfect timing of what God wants in your life. It's the perfect plan of what God has for you because the results are going to be the best in your life. No prayer is ever prayed in vain and no prayer can ever be prayed too much. Did you hear me? God never, listen to me now, God never is annoyed by your prayers. As a matter of fact, you pray at one time, he says, why don't you ask that again? I'll ask it again. He loves to hear us speak to him. And you know what? He doesn't get tired when we say the same things over and over again, praying for the same things in our life. Now, the Bible says don't have vain repetition, don't have mindless repeating of words. That's not the point. The point is that if you have something in your heart that you want to pray to God and you come to him every single day with that prayer, know that he hears it, know that he loves to hear it, know that he wants to hear it, and know that he's in the process of answering it every single time you pray it. That's the God we serve. That's the love he has for us. That's the point that Jesus is making here. God's compassion, His love, His peace are poured out over you in prayer. And God will always answer your prayer according to His perfect will. And what Jesus is saying here is that since that is the case, since that is who God is, since that is the result of our prayer, we should desire to pray more. We should desire to come to God with everything in our lives, no matter how big or how small. Come to Him with all of our needs, all of our concerns. Come to Him with the good Have you ever thought about that? Hey, God, I'm just going to pray and thank you for your goodness. Pray and thank you for what your blessings. Pray and thank you for all of this. But also, the Bible says, bring our petitions. God, I'm concerned about this. I I need you to work in this. I need this to happen. And we're to walk away from our prayers and come back to God in our prayers knowing that he is trustworthy and we can trust him to do what is right in our life. Church, can I ask you, do you believe that God's trustworthy? You believe that? Now, let's be honest. Sometimes that's tested in our lives, isn't it? But God says, listen, what I'm trying to tell you is that even when it's tested in your life, you have something to hold on to because God who is perfect and holy, who cannot sin, cannot go back against his character. And his character is he is for you, not against you. His character is that he is working out in your life. But here's the problem. Are you ready? We're human. Did you know that? And being human, are you ready? (laughs) We're not patient. How many of you have ever gone through the McDonald's drive-thru and got to that window and they said to you, your fries are not ready yet. Will you please move forward into that little parking spot and we'll bring it out to you. The world is over! 
You're going to make me wait for my fries? Given to me cold, right? We have to wait. Patience is not uh, something that we do well with. And trust me, never pray for patience because God will make you earn it. <laughs> the truth is, is that it, unless we see the results in our life, we stop praying. We stop trusting. We believe that God must answer our prayer and answer it in our, according to how we asked or God isn't, isn't working, God isn't doing what we want. And this is exactly why so many people are walking away from the faith. How many of you have ever heard someone say, man, this world is so bad. What is, if God is a God of love, why is it like this? If we can come and bring our petitions before Him, why isn't He doing things? Why isn't He changing things? Why, why is all this bad stuff happening around the world? Why is it happening all over the place? If he was a good God, then none of this bad stuff would happen. Have you ever heard that? Heard someone say that? I thought this week, this really hit me, I thought this week to, to myself, and I'm going to share it with you, I thought this, why is it always if God was a good God, this bad stuff wouldn't happen? Why don't we say if we weren't such sinning people, none of this bad stuff would happen? God didn't sin, we did. God didn't make the wrong choice, we did. The only choice God did is to redeem us because of our bad choice. God said, I'm going to make a way because of your bad choice. I'm going to make sure that you can have a relationship with, with you. You're the one who sinned and turned your back on me. <laughs> the result of this world is because of us, not because of God. But yet, I hear so many people, and there's a lot of atrocities in this world because of sin. But I hear so many people saying, well, if God was a good God, he would take care of that. But it's not because God's not a good God, because I want you to understand God is a good God and He is working. And there are many things that God does that we don't see, many things that we do see. And the point is this, is that we cannot quit. Now Jesus finishes this parable with an amazing statement that church, I think, speaks right to where we are today. And you have got to get this. Jesus' point is this, is that we have a God that hears us, listens to us, answers our prayers, and is working on our behalf all the time, whether you see it or not. He is trustworthy. We can bring our petitions to Him. He is always working. But the problem is, is that we get too impatient, and we struggle with not seeing things the way we want to see, and we stop trusting Him. And Jesus knows that about us. So he makes this final sobering statement in verse number 8, the last part of verse number 8. Jesus says, nevertheless... When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? It's a question. In other words, I'm coming back again. Remember, I just told you that. But I'm really afraid. That's kind of what he's saying in terms that we would understand. I'm really concerned that when I come back the second time, I'm not going to find anyone praying, I'm not going to find anyone trusting. I'm not going to find anyone putting faith in me. Why? Because everybody will have quit. Everybody will have stopped. And I think that gives us some very important implications that we need to understand. I think what Jesus is saying here is very serious for us to, to get and to understand. And that is this. Jesus is commenting on the fact of how wicked the world is. Do we live in a wicked world today? Hands down. Is our world becoming more wicked? Without a doubt. 
without a doubt. The, snow, the snowball is no, matter, no longer at the top of the hill. It's at full speed in the middle and coming towards the end very, very quickly. And what Jesus is saying here is as this world becomes more wicked, as the world becomes more dark, it is going, listen to me very carefully, you've got to hear this, it is going to seem like God has stopped working. We look at our government, we look at our society today, we look at America, we look at around the world, we look at everything that's going on and we're like, God, where are you? God, where are you? Are you really there? Are you working? Why is this happening? Why is this falling apart? God, I think you've turned your back. I think you don't care anymore. Jesus says, as this world continues to get worse, worse, and worse, that's exactly what it's going to seem like. That's exactly what it's going to feel like. That's exactly how it's going to be. You're going to think that God isn't there, that when you pray, God isn't hearing you, that when you pray, God isn't working and he's saying listen as his child God never abandons you God never leaves you nor forsakes you God never closes his ear to you God never stops working even though the world is going forward and becoming more wicked more wicked and more wicked because this is a part of God's plan this is where the world has to go and God is completely in control you see our perspective is not god's perspective the bible says god said my thoughts are not your thoughts my ways are not your ways but i am your heavenly father i love you more than anything you can ever know i am hearing you i am answering you i am working on your behalf if i be for you who can be against you i've got you See, the sobering thought is this, that it'll become so bad that when Jesus comes, he simply wonders out loud, when I come back, will there be someone who is going to be trusting me? And the fact of the matter is, the truth of the matter is, is yes, we know there will. There'll be a remnant, the Bible says, and this is talking about a second coming. But listen, we cannot lose hope. We cannot lose faith. We cannot stop trusting God. Because everything that is happening in this world is happening according to God's plan and God has not quit. Hear me today. God has not quit on you. Nor will He ever quit on you. We can understand. We may not understand what's happening. But that's why the, the writer in Proverbs said, trust in who? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understandings because your perspective is, is skewed. Don't lean on your own understandings. But in all your ways, acknowledge Him. In all your ways, trust Him. In all your ways, pray for what you need to pray for. In all your ways, give it to Him. And He will direct your path. He will make your path straight. You see, the truth is, is that buried in this question is something very, very, very powerful. If you need something to hold on to, God never stops being God. God never stops being God. And you can trust Him. You can trust Him. Because God is God. He is perfectly holy, just, loving, full of grace, full of mercy. And our loving Heavenly Father, He hears, He listens, He is compassionate to our cries, and He is continually working on our behalf, whether we see it or not. Trust Him. So, as Luke said at the beginning of these teachings, 
Will you be the one who will always pray and not lose heart? So can I leave you just with this statement? Trust God through consistent prayer. Trust God through consistent prayer. Every time you go to God in prayer, He hears you. Every time you go to God in prayer, He answers. And every time He answers, He's working on your behalf, no matter what you see. Trust Him. Hold on to Him. And He will. You stand with me in God's house today. Father, I hope and pray that no matter what else anybody else heard, that they heard that you love them and that you are for them. If they don't know you, I pray, Father, they'll come to know you as Lord and Savior. If they are your child, and God, honestly, there's so many things happening in our lives right now that are so hurtful and painful, many who are sick and afflicted and dealing with issues, families that are broken. And God, I just pray for your, your peace and your love and your outpouring upon them. Let us know, let us trust, and let us hold on to the fact that you are working always on our behalf. And we give you all the praise, the honor, and the glory for it. In Jesus' holy name, amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.